Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Bikini in the Brain. I'm here, of course, with my lovely co-host, Ashley Kaltwasser. That's what they call me around here. <laughs> yes, yes. And Hi, so, everyone. And today we have ourselves a uh, new... We're, we're experiencing some technology, so if there's a little glitches here and there, mm -hmm. please excuse us, but we are doing... It's all part of the learning curve <laughs> We are doing a Q&A. We're doing Q&A live, actually, so we're streaming yes. live on YouTube now, and uh, we're going to be doing them on Instagram and whatnot. So if you guys are every Monday at some point, hopefully at a close to 11 a.m., but it, there's a lot of setup. Oh, we're just <laughs> evolving. I'm so <laughs> proud of us. Look, we've come so far from filming on potatoes <laughs> in the kitchen yeah. with like what, less than 1080p megapixels, we, yeah. and then now we're here. How many pixels were we shooting JM with that one time? I like don't know. Four pixels? Four. <laughs> four <laughs> pixels. I feel so bad, too. A flip was, phone quality. <laughs> it was such a good episode, too. And then we had the, I brought this, like, crappy laptop, like my travel laptop, and I didn't realize how bad it was, and it was so bad. So um, so we're, we're stepping it up for you guys. But today's episode is, again, you know, Q&A. We have some good questions here. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, and you could, guys, if you're on YouTube right now or whatever, um, please feel free to ask some questions because we are jumping on them. And however long this takes, this takes. Won't be like a Joe Rogan podcast, though. <laughs> though I love Joe Rogan podcasts, but it I, I just don't have the, the skill set to talk for that long. Yeah, that's, um, you know, we're... I'm a competitor. I need to eat. I need to pee. <laughs> like, you know, you I don't know how he holds pee for three hours. I don't know, but. How does he do that? I don't know. That's not me, though. You've peed twice just since we started setting I up know. since 11. You know, pushing <laughs> those fluids. So it's important. But, hey, we have not done a Q&A in a long time. We're way past you. I love doing Q&As. I think it's really cool because our viewers get to ask questions that was on their mind for a while. So this is their opportunity. And, um. Yeah, so really excited. Thank you all for submitting your questions. I know that I got a lot of good questions, and I asked you guys through my Instagram at Ashley K Fit what questions you wanted us to answer, and same thing for Adam as well. So we got the YouTube questions, and we got the Instagram questions, so they're coming in from everywhere. Yeah, so I like I like these episodes too because it's um, a lot of them are more directed towards like your uniqueness as a competitor, because I think a lot of people want that to be their goal one day, to be able to compete as often and stay as consistent and, and stay lean. And so you kind of attract that um, type of competitor who maybe wants to have better off seasons and, and whatnot. So these questions are kind of cool and there's ones that I wouldn't think of to ask you too. And so our first one here comes in, and I have, some of these Instagram names are hard to say. So Sazid says, says Khan, 89. Uh, so what keeps you motivated to continue to compete after achieving so many accolades? Well, gosh, I would say, you know what? It comes from a place of gratitude. I'm, I just realize I'm in a very unique position to be able to do what I do, right? I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm motivated. I have an awesome coach, Adam, over here that keeps me excited about the sport. And, you know, I'm very much like, hey, take advantage of the opportunity, right? Because I realize not many people are able to do what I do and it's kind of cool that I get to live this life. So you better believe I'm going to make the most of it. You know, I've got a great support system. I live a life that is like, you know, I don't have a whole lot of people depending on me as far as like family and pets and stuff. I don't have any kids. I don't have any pets. I'm a free bird, you know, and uh, I've got awesome sponsors who support me and make sure that I'm very well taken care of when I compete and, you know, 
um, pay for my travel and all my accommodations and everything that's associated with competing. So, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity and just doing what I love and never forgetting where I came from and never forgetting the, the feeling of my first win, you know? So just, you know, being grateful, I think, is what keeps me uh, motivated to compete. Well, that is, I think I love that answer. And so also with you um, in that awesome coach um, comment, <laughs> I also help you open doors and get water working. Yes, <laughs> and fixing my hair that sticks up yes. backstage um, and yeah, buying right. nail glue when I realize I'm out on show day. It's the only reason why I won that yeah, show. It's the only reason. We have I... door lock issues going on the last couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ashley. She's been locked out of the gym like twice. Today wasn't my day. Today no. wasn't her day. And Today then, was and not then my Thursday, day. Thursday, we couldn't get her, her office door to open. And then uh, and then we got the, the magnet strip lock code. And then that wouldn't open. I, was like, I got it, though. Don't you worry. <laughs> so let's go on to another question, an Adam question, okay? So we'll kind of um, flip-flop between you know, questions that are more geared towards me and then Mr. Science Man over here. So um, Lily wants to know how to reverse the cardio after show if you were doing an hour or more. Drop it weekly by 10 minutes, she asks. Okay. What do you think, Adam? So good, good question. So it's very, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things that can go into that question. So I, I'll give you the variables though, because there's a lot of different variables and how you're going to do that. Um, okay, how do we go about that? So usually I try to look at it as like a percentage marker and I'll try to usually off the bat, like right after, right after you're doing a hard prep, mm -hmm. I'll generally try to drop it like 20%, 25%, like right off the bat. So if you're doing a hundred minutes, then you'd go down to 75, like the first week. But honestly, when someone's doing an hour or more of cardio, I really want to know why they're doing an hour or more of cardio. That's a lot of cardio. So ideally you shouldn't have to do more than 45 minutes, even sometimes if you can keep your conditioning good, like 30 minutes of cardio for a show. So I would first like to see, okay, um, how low is that girl's calories? If her calories are really low and she's doing two hours of cardio, I'd rather her do still do like an hour and a half of cardio, but then get her calories up. That's the critical thing is getting her calories up. And that's going to come priority over lowering the cardio. Because you can't just raise the calories up and lower the cardio if someone's in this crazy state of really, really high cardio and really, really low calories. Because you're just asking, I mean, there's, you're not, I don't think anyone should have to prep like that, period. But if they do prep like that, if someone does prep like that, and you just cut, you raise their calories and you cut their cardio, you know, 50% right away, you're pretty much asking for them to gain body fat back at a pretty rapid rate. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's always like keep them lean, whatever it makes sense to keep them lean first. But Okay, so let's give the scenario. Let's give this terrible, let's terrible scenario. Let's say 800 calories and two hours of cardio, right? Like worst case scenario. In that person, I would just keep them doing two hours of cardio for like another two weeks or so, and get their calories like way up. Like I'd be like, let's get your calories up to like something realistic, 1500 or something like that, and then let's taper cardio down at you know 25% the first week, and then like 10 to 15% every week after that, and then keep your calories hopefully climbing and your cardio hopefully decreasing and hopefully keep you lean enough where you don't have to do that again. Mm -hmm. But, okay, let's give you a good scenario. So let's give you the opposite end of the scenario. Let's say you're staying lean, like, like, like an Ashley scenario. You're staying lean, and you're doing your homework in the off-season, and you only ramped up cardio close to the show. So you ramped up to five, six days a week. Ashley does, like, Orange Theories right now. 
and she's doing like five a week. And when she was starting prep, she was doing two to three a week. And so now it's like five. Well, that's pretty simple. We'll back her down after the show to, you know, probably three or so for a couple of weeks, work on the areas that we need to work on after we see the pictures and then ramp back up, right back up when the Arnold's getting close again. So um, in the scenario of just cardio and not orange theory, that would be the same thing you would get. Let's say someone goes up the last three weeks, four weeks to an hour and they were doing 30 minutes. Well, I'll, I'll put them right at 30 minutes, like 50% right away and then drop them down probably five minutes a week after that so it's just scenario based mm -hmm. but the most important thing about getting these times right is going to be you still need to check in you still need to do your measurements and that's what's going to dictate it some people can go from an hour of cardio to like 15 minutes three times a week and stay lean mm -hmm. but some people are going to be you know gain a lot of body fat that way so if you check in the next week your coach is going to know what to do with your your particular scenario because they're going to see did the measurements go way up like if I cut your cardio by 50% and raise your calories, let's say 20%, and you put on an inch on your waist and you put on five pounds, well, that was probably too much of a cut. So maybe we'll raise cardio back up. So some people, I'll raise their calories up and cut their cardio and they lose weight. And I'm like, oh, sweet, we can cut it way down. So you just still need to keep checking in. That's really the, the main answer. Okay. And then also I wanted to hit this question on YouTube because it's a really good question. It actually complements um, the question that you were just asked. Um, the Silver Lady Who Lifts asks, when prepping someone for a show, do you tend to lower calories versus adding more cardio? And when do you incorporate refeeds? Thanks in advance. So very complimentary to the question that you were just asked and more focusing on refeeds and what your thoughts on refeeds are. So, um, so first off on refeeds, you have to look at the purpose of the refeed. Like, mm -hmm. what, like what are you trying to accomplish with the refeed? So if you're in prep and you're, let's say, I guess there's, it's just scenario-based based on, like, the people that you have, you know? Do you have an Ashley with a really strong mind who's been doing this for, for three years and he doesn't really need a cheat meal? So in that scenario, you're going to do it strictly for the benefit, right? Maybe she's a little flat. Maybe you need a spike to the metabolism. Maybe, you know, you're, you're seeing her strengths go down in the gym and she just needs a reload. Maybe you want to give her a killer leg day. Um, and you want to have her do the carbs like pre-workout to give her like a super intense leg day or some big muscle group day. That would be the only time you would like want to do it for someone in that scenario. Now, let's say you have this someone who has not such a strong mindset and is a little bit more likely to have a cheat on their diet if you don't give them something once in a while. And that's there's nothing. And just sort of to throw that out there, there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone's going to be different on that. I don't expect we talk about this a lot. I don't ever expect my clients to be as hard as Ashley because I'm not as hard as Ashley and I'm pretty dedicated. And so this is three years of Ashley being consistent where it's gotten her to this, like that state where she's super dedicated and no one, no one really starts there. So just, just to throw that out there for people who feel like, Oh man, I'm never going to be like that. You could, if you wanted to continue and compete at this level, you could, you just have to train yourself to do it. Just like you train your muscles to get bigger. So if you're, if, the, if I have that client who, like, checks in and then I see her every three weeks, she's, like, slips on her diet. Maybe every six weeks she slips on her diet, and that was off-season. Well, in-season, I know I'm going to need to give this girl more refeeds, right? And so maybe what I'll do is I'll lower her calories a little bit, lower than where they should be, knowing that I'm going to get these refeeds later on in this, in this programming. So I'll make up for it, and I want to make sure that we are pushing the calories a little harder to create the room 
to have these refeeds more often. And then the refeeds mentally make her stronger. They make her feel like she's not cheating on her diet so much. For some people, it might be once a week. You know, like for an example, I might give someone, uh, I might give a small bikini competitor 1,800 calories once a week to eat whatever she wants within those 1,800 calories. Mm -hmm. But I, I do make the agreement with her. I say, hey, because of that, just know that your diet's going to be about 250 calories lower every day to afford that. Um, and that's what you're sacrificing. So do you right. want 250 extra calories of clean food every day? Or do you want 250 calories less food every day and one crazy meal once a week? What's, mm -hmm. What do you prefer? What's going to have you? And, then, and the right answer to that is whatever's going to keep you sticking on your diet. A good diet is one you can stick to. That's always the answer. Right. So there's the scenarios, you mm -hmm. know. But it's yeah. but science-wise and, like, when you want to spike the metabolism and all that, I mean, honestly, the, the benefits of of it aren't, like, crazy to the, to the point where you're going to make or break someone into prep. They're helpful, but it's not like, oh, my gosh, if we don't do that, we're not going to, you know, be successful. So mm -hmm. some people just prefer more food every day, and I'll just give them that, yeah. you know? So my question for you, and this is a question coming from Ashley K. Fit. <laughs> um, so um, with what you just said, do you think that there also could be um, a benefit, perhaps uh, a purposeful refeed day around uh, maybe a lagging body part or maybe a heavy leg day, like knowing that like I'm about to burn so much calories with this leg day and I need a lot of energy, uh, maybe more carbs than usual for this leg day because I really need to bring up this body part or whatever. Um, do you find that maybe having a refeed day structured around um, that training day would be beneficial? Maybe not necessarily for your mindset, but for the actual effects um for training purposes. Yeah, ab absolutely, actually. And it's actually something I've switched to kind of recently. Mm -hmm. uh, what I used to do with people who had this refeed day, I just kind of put it on their menu plan. And I still do that for some people. It just depends. Mm -hmm. It depends on their when they work out is really what it depends right. on. And so if I have people that work out um, in the morning time, and I'm like, hey, you work out your legs on Saturday and let's say they have like a good workout partner or a boyfriend who's a bodybuilder and I know this about them. I'll say, you know what I want you to do is I want you to have your cheat meal on Saturday morning. I want you to go out with your boyfriend, have some pancakes, 1,800 calories worth, right? And then I want you and your boyfriend to just train legs like crazy. Mm -hmm. Like just have a good time with him or her, your, your, your friend, whatever, your workout partner. And and crush your legs and don't even follow the plan like that I have written out for you. Follow the same, like, you know, work your glutes just as much, work your hamstring just as much and more, but just crush it. You know, just use those calories to crush it like two hours after you work out, after you have your cheat meal. Because the energy, I feel like a lot of times people do the, the cheat meal wrong. They'll do the cheat meal like Friday, Saturday night, like after they've worked out and they're like, well, it helps with recovery. The cheat meal, it's, you're at that point that you're eating the food in the cheat meal like three hours, four hours later, like you've already had your post-workout, recovery's already started, course it's going to help it's more food but it's you already you should already have that covered in your post-workout at that point but the energy you can have during the workout is way more important than the than the the post-workout four hours later when you can just have a protein shake and some carbs after and have essentially the same effect right so yeah no i think that's a huge thing it's a good question and i think it gives some i think in prep these little moments of freedom kind of give you a lot of motivation and we have to, and, it, and it's something to take into account. You know, if you can, if, if, uh, let's say a bikini girl who's a little newer to bikini and is having a little bit of problems with, I'm um, sticking to the diet and staying with it cause it's so hard. And it's like, you know, 
they're asking themselves, do I want to do this forever? It's so hard. And uh, like, if you can give them that day of freedom, like the prep is just so much easier. And if that's what it takes and that's what it takes, there's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, if that's, if you guys need that and you're, let's say you're training with me or Ashley or one of these coaches, you let us know. We could try to make the adjustments. You might have to sacrifice some calories throughout the day to make it work on other days, but it's definitely doable for most, for most people, for almost everyone. So definitely. Yep. I see. Um, there's two sides of the spectrum with that. You know, I think there's the people that actually don't want a refeed or cheat meal because they feel like once I have a taste of something, that's maybe a little bit, uh, naughty, they're going to like <laughs> spiral out of control. Right. And they're going to want more and more and more. Um, but others can handle it nicely and, and actually motivates them to, you know, train even harder in the gym, knowing that like, yeah, I just got my cheat meal. I'm, I'm ready to go or, you, you know, or I earned it for this week. So however you want to look at it. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I'm the same. I'm of the same thing too. And there's, this, there's a lot of like scenarios and like the, any, any industry. So any industry you have that is body oriented, you know, like body, like focus on the body, like fashion, like a fashion model or something like that too. Like you always run into the people who are most conscious about their bodies. And so you do run into the most people who have had eating issues before. That's Mm -hmm. just, it naturally draws them in any, any body related sport or body related anything will draw those people in. So you have to also look at um, who it makes sense for. You know, if someone had uh, like an eating disorder where they would like binge all the time, maybe the cheat meal isn't the best thing for that person. Maybe that it, it triggers them or something, you know? Right. So, but if it's, it, you know, so it's, it's just so different per person. Yeah. And you have to be honest with yourself of what you can handle and what you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have, I have a few, I have a, you know, a few pros and some of them like the cheat meals and most of them are along the lines of, I'll just eat extra rice and chicken, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just kind of, you know, it's just right. person by person, you know? So totally, totally. All right. What's our next question, Adam? Well, let's see here. What about this one here? I think this is a good one. Best cardio machine. So we have a question here from Lydia, and it says, best cardio machine for bikini girls. Step mill. <laughs> step mill, step mill, step mill. I always like to do step mill because here's the thing. I feel like it's a glute workout and cardio in one. And especially if you do it in a certain way, like let's say you do it in a way where maybe you're skipping a step or you are kicking back um, and doing like hit, right? And using those kickbacks as your recovery of the hit or your slower uh, moments. I think that the step mill is very popular amongst bikini girls. And of course, in bikini, one of the biggest focuses are the glutes, right? So I don't know about you, but I would definitely recommend the the step mill. But also, um, I like inclined um, treadmill walking as well for that purpose. And because you, you do get a little more of that glute squeeze, that glute um, activation too, rather than just like running on, on a flat treadmill or outside. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm on the same lines with you with the, with the stair mill. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to choose your cardio form for a couple, a couple different things you got to think about when you're doing cardio and because you can accomplish, I don't like cardio to just be cardio. I like you to accomplish a couple of things during cardio. So, if, you know, cardio just being cardio, that's cool. You know, you burn calories and you're going to burn calories with every machine. It's just how many you'll burn with this one versus that one. Mm-hmm. You know, I do like to use the more efficient cardio burning machines, like in terms of how many calories you could burn per hour versus whatever. So if you look at like the elliptical or like the pre-core where that's like just your legs, that's super stabilized and it's super smooth. If you have bad knees or something, maybe that would be the way to do it. But if you're like a regular bikini competitor who doesn't have any knee issues or anything like that, I would stay way away from that one. Oh, and the the bike. 
yeah. stationary bike. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> I mean, you're getting a lot of quad in there, which for bikini, we're not trying to get quad. But I hate this, the the bike. Yeah, the the bike and the elliptical, like the one everyone calls a pre-core, mm-hmm. um, the one without the hands, even the one with the hands, it's just you're so stabilized and it's so smooth, which is great for your joints, um, but you're so stabilized that you're just, you, know, you got to remember your like your body, how many when you're carrying your own weight, it's more calories burned. So when you're sitting on a bike, you're basically losing like half of your weight is sitting on the bike. I don't know the true numbers, but I would assume about half your weight is on the seat and then a, a percentage is on the legs, right? So you're just, you're because you're moving less, it's just science, right? You're moving less load, you're burning less calories. That's just how it has to go. It's more efficient, especially when you're stabilized. So now um, with the elliptical, same thing, like you're, you're holding on. You see people doing the stairs where they're like holding I on. I was going to say, I yeah. hate that. If you're going to do the stairs, try as much as possible not to hold on. Now, with that being said, if you're going very fast, you're going to have to hold on. Or if you're doing kickbacks, you're going to have to hold on. But let's just say you're going, you know, just like a steady state situation and it's not too, too, too fast. Try to do it without holding on because, yeah, I, I see that all the time too. I'm like, <laughs> man, you're going like, you're basically – holding your whole weight with your elbows on the thing. It's like maybe just you're, you're wasting your time yeah, here. You're just <laughs> taking off like 50% of your weight. Exactly. So that's the thing people don't understand is you're, the body will, which is this, uh, you know, when I used to go to training things and in school and stuff, they would always, would always stuck with me. And I hope this sticks with you guys too, is the body's always going to find the path of least resistance. Always, always, always. So you're going to have this little voice in your head. And sometimes it's not even going to be a voice. It's just going to be your body finding a way to burn calories the most in the most efficient manner possible. And what happens is you start leaning on the machine. You don't even realize it, you know? You start putting weight on your hands to, to take off load off your legs and things like that. Because your body is going to try to find a way to, to not burn as many calories, especially when you're in that grind time of prep, when you're like, you know, 12 weeks into a prep and your calories are super low, your body's doing anything it can to reserve calories. It makes you more tired. You're just going to trick you into doing these things of, of burning less calories. So, okay, so as far as cardio machines go, this it's, it's kind of cool. So first, you know, you also want to look at your physique and look at what you need to work on to improve. So let's say, example, I'm not a fan of the bike or the elliptical, right? But if you have bad knees or joints, maybe the bike or elliptical is better for you. That's, you know, it is what it is. So in that scenario, you're going to do, you're probably going to do more time. You're probably going to be doing a lot more cardio than someone who's jogging on a treadmill, completely unstabilized. So um, in, let's look at a scenario of a bikini competitor who maybe is really petite and has no quads at all, like tiny quads. Maybe that girl, it'd be better to give her hit on a bike, right? Because mm-hmm. she could actually build her quads with that too. Why not do two things at once? If you guys have seen... Um, cyclist legs. I mean, those guys look like you know wellness competitors. They <laughs> these got cyclist some legs. cylinder blocks. It's for quads. It's crazy. <laughs> They'll have like no upper body, and then they have yeah. these crazy legs. You know, yeah. so it's um you know you could definitely build muscle while cycling too. So if that's a scenario that you want to get into, or maybe you're a wellness competitor and you want to you know that makes sense for you to do that because you're trying to build your legs up and and get more activation out of them. That might make sense. You're gonna probably do more cardio there though. So it's you're burning less calories per movement, you're going to do more movements. That's just, there's no way around that. Um, so now if you're the regular bikini girl, the 90% out there, I would generally go with stairs and I like the stairs and I don't just like the stairs. I like, I like for women to do the stairs, but also squeeze on that step down on their glute and the, like to put pressure into the, the stair mill and squeeze that glute when you're coming up on that pressure to come up with your foot. And that 
helps with, and everyone always, always talking about, oh, my activation isn't there. My activation isn't there. I will say, because that's becoming a trend, everyone kind of says that now without knowing what activation is. Like they don't, like I ask people, they'll be like, oh, I don't have any glute activation. And I'll be like, okay, define glute activation in terms of you feeling it versus what you're getting right now. And they'll be like, um, well, I just don't feel it. I'm like, well, have you ever felt it more? And they'll be like, no. I'm like, well, then how do you know that you're not at your maximum ability of glute activation already? And then they just have no answer because it's a trend. Everyone's saying they don't have glute activation right now. But let's say you don't, right? <laughs> Most likely, you probably have pretty good glute activation, especially with the amount of work like bikini competitors train their glutes. Like just training them is going to get more activation into them, just training them all the time, right? Is People are like, oh, I don't get any activation. I'm like, you're training them three times a week. You're doing movements that like you couldn't physically do without any glute activation. So therefore, if there's some glute activation, there's better glute activation now than there was when you started. It's just not possible any other way, right? It's just, it would be a very broken person for that to be the case. Like it just didn't, it just doesn't happen. So anyway, but can we maximize glute activation? Um, you know, the, the, can we maximize the way that the, the body's nervous system is sending signal to the muscle and getting better neuromuscular activity? Yeah, you know, um, you can, and, and I think a great way of doing it is just constantly flexing and constantly squeezing on these little movements that, you know, would appear um, that you could just not do that with. So, like, why not do the, do the stair mill and squeeze the glute a little bit on that push-up, on that stair, and get a little bit better activation and, and make sure that you're, one, you're probably burning a little bit more calories when you do that, too, because you're squeezing harder, and two, maybe it's going to have a little bit better activation in that glute. Um, for your future exercises too, you know, the, you might reach what's called potentiation, a better potentiation. So, um, yeah, so I would say do that. That would be the better form. Um, treadmill would probably be the highest calorie burning form. And so if you're like in, you know, if you're, you've been doing the stair mill for let's say three months and your body's getting more efficient at it, you're getting a little better at it and you're burning, you know, you're, once you get super efficient and, um, at a movement, you're going to become, you're going to burn less calories. It's not that your body's going to burn less calories because it got used to it. It's just that you've gotten better at it and more and, and are striving in a way where it's the most efficient manner. For example, I haven't ran in forever. Right now, if I ran, I would probably burn as many calories as my body could burn running because my form sucks. I'm all over the place. I'm wobbly on this and that. But if I started running like as much as Ashley does, well... I'm going to be burning less calories because I'm more stable. I'm running in a straight line. I'm like, I'm not, um, I'm just, I'm just fluid, you know? So in that scenario, you get really, really good at cardio. You become really efficient at cardio um, and you're burning less calories because it's, that's, that's the, that's the goal actually become more efficient at that form. Well, then you could switch to, um, you know, in that, let's say you've been doing stairs. Well, let's switch to the treadmill where you're in that scenario, like I'm talking about where I haven't been doing the treadmill. So I'm less efficient and the body's trying to, rec uh, compensate for is trying to it's like what is he doing now and burning a lot of calories getting used to the movement and that's a great way of creating a new stimulus maybe switching your cardio every you know eight weeks on your mode i generally like people hey switch for four weeks on the stairs switch for four weeks on the treadmill but in bikini i generally like people doing more of the stairs than than that so amen to that there you go i feel like always my answers are always so winded you know yes <laughs> it's okay though it's just because there's so much to cover i hate it but i just feel I feel bad. I take up so much of the time. Mm. All right. So any more of these questions you want to go for before we go to the next page? Any and all? You any get to all? choose. I like them all. 
You know it's what? It's your call. I like this one because our audience, so our average audience is twenty is 25 to 35 years old. Uh-huh. That's 47% of our audience. Okay. Isn't that crazy? So yeah. this this is, uh, I just like to answer because it's so wrong, you know, in can a, I, in can a good I way. Can I jump in? Yes, absolutely. So I'm passionate about this too because sometimes I Me will I get this question. So this person asked, um, is 30 too old to start bodybuilding? Also tips for newbies, please. Where do I start? Okay. So I will always get asked, oh, I'm 30. Is it too late to start? I'm 28. Is it too late to start? I'm 46. Is it too late to start? And I'm like, dude, people are acting like they're 95, like on, <laughs> like, uh, what the heck? It's like, dude, you saw, as if life is over, yeah. like it's too late to start at 30. No, absolutely not. Like, gosh, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know why people get this idea that like, it's so old to be 30. I don't know. Cause the way they're asking, you'd think that they're like, yeah. Walk, like need need a cane to walk around and have <laughs> white hair and and wrinkles and like we're not ninety we're not talking about ninety then we have we have something to talk about right but yeah. thirty yes of course you can start bodybuilding yeah. of course you can start I don't know what's gotten into people I I don't know but I promise you yes it is possible to start bodybuilding at thirty. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. and to give you just some rough numbers where it's not like BS so. Three, three years out of the last five years, the Olympia bikini winner has been over 30. Three of the last five years. I think uh, Issa and Jennifer are, are below 30. And then last two years ago, three of the top five were over 30. If I'm just, I'm just throwing numbers off the top of my head. So like, it's not even, we're not even talking in the realm of old. The, <laughs> the best girls in the world at a at currently it's sixty percent of like sixty percent is over thirty. That's the best girls in the world. It's not like, oh, they just got lucky. You know, no, it's it's, it's a the the large majority are over thirty at this point that are peaking. And as a coach, I could tell you this: as a coach with the conditioning standards of today in bikini, it's a little bit easier to get girls in that shape when you're when they're in their thirties. I will tell you that. I have a harder time getting girls shredded that are like 18, 19, 20. Yeah, they have that baby muscle. They have like almost like a baby fat look. Yeah. Like really super soft kind of situation. It's just like a, I, I, I can't really, uh, the coaches just say they got, they're always, the coaches are always like, Joe, she's just young, so she's got that thick skin. And I don't know what it is. There's no, like, I don't think anyone's really defined it, um, you know, but we, all the top coaches run into the same thing. And it's like, we'll get someone who's, maybe we'll get someone who's like 23 or something like that. We're like, oh, dude, she's. She's got like thin skin too. It's crazy. She's young. She's got like full muscles, and she's got that thinner skin. Like we're, we're we can we can actually do something with it, right. So it's like, as as people, I don't know what changes, but um, when people are generally a little bit older, it's a little bit easier to get them that that really tight look. You could do it at any age, but I will say it's harder as as they're, when they're younger to get them that dry as a whole. Not everyone, but a large percentage of them. Um, you know, muscle fullness and whatnot, and. Uh, is probably maybe a slight advantage at the like 25 range, like that's a fuller muscle belly, maybe. Um, but the density is way easier at like the 30s, and that's what they want a little bit of density, they want that tight look. Um, you know, so there's an argument for both sides, both have an advantage and disadvantage, but I don't see it being an issue. And the other thing is, too, about bikini, we don't know the age, we don't, it's so new, we don't know the age, we haven't had anyone really. I don't think anyone's retired because of age 
yet. Like, oh, my body is just, you know, like not good anymore for it or it's too old now for it. I don't think anyone's run into that. The girls that are retiring that are doing well or they're retiring are, are leaving because, like, other things in their life. They got married. They had a kid. Um, it's not – it's never – I haven't seen it yet where it's, like, a bodybuilder and they're like, oh, he's fading. You know, like, you could see bodybuilders and they're like – some of them, it's usually in their, like, mid-40s where it starts happening for body. So even for bodybuilders, it's, like, you know, 45 or so, 48. I mean, you could look at – I mean, Dexter was – what is he, 51 when he retired finally? And, like, he was still super competitive. But um, you'll start seeing it in bodybuilders where they're like their legs start getting smaller and they just can't keep the size anymore. And then it's always their legs that starts with. But we haven't seen it in bikini yet where we're like, oh, her glutes are just starting to fade. Her glutes are just starting to fade because of her age. Like, I don't think there's been a single person that we've seen with the test of time yet go to that stage. I haven't seen it, you know, like we've seen, like we kind of know in bodybuilding where it's at, you know. And competing now is a lot different than like, would be if you were like let's say 50 years ago because you could go look at guys like mike tyson who just fought again like if you looked at mike tyson fighting again when he was like i don't know what is he 55 or something what is he you think arthur 50 55 57 something like that like if you thought about a guy fighting at 57 40 years ago you'd be like that guy's that's crazy that guy's gonna break his jaw he's gonna it's just not it's just not what happened right but we have, now we can go to the doctor, we can look at our hormones, we can make sure everything's still staying where it needs to, we, could, we can make sure that everything's optimized, that our, our growth hormone levels don't dip to absolute nothing, we can take supplements, we could do these things and it keeps us younger, which keeps you able to do these things longer. So I think people have a lot of old mindset with that, of like, this is 1960s and you're going to fade at like 30. You're not going to fade, we don't even know how old you're going to be to you fade. I mean, you have people that are in their 40s doing good. I the I saw one one bikini pro. Um, she got second place at the Chicago Pro a few years ago at 49 years old and was turning 50 the next week. And I'm not talking at a Masters Chicago Pro show. This was open Chicago Pro show, 28 girls, probably 20 of them were 25 to 30, and she beat almost all of them. And the girl who won was like 36, I think, that year. Mm -hmm. So it was like... And the Tahoe show, remember that one too? I was like the youngest out of the top six. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know Aaron's age. I think she's close to 40, something like that too. And she's doing really good still. So it's like, yeah, it's, you know, you're, you're good. You're fine. <laughs> yes. And um, I will address the second part of her question. Also, she asked, um, tips for newbies, please. Where do I start? So I would say you can start by researching the sport and really getting to know it. And great thing is YouTube has a lot of great content um, that you can kind of learn from. And even visiting a local show to get the vibe and just to see it all in real life. But, you know, luckily there's so much information out there that you can do your own research, okay? And um, npcnewsonline.com is a great place um, to look up shows so you can see what the girls are looking like, how they're posing. You can watch videos all day long about it. We've got a lot of tutorials out there about, you know, posing and just tips for rookies and stuff like that. But I would say first and foremost, it's important to get to know the sport, see how it works, what are they looking for, and then you can, you know, go through the process of looking into hiring a coach and seeing what that's all about, and they should kind of take you from there. But, um, yeah, just, just become – aware of what's uh needed to compete in the sport and uh, you know 10 years ago there there wasn't as much information out there online but now it's like everywhere you go you can just type in npc bikini and find so much information out about it yeah 
Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's really nice now. I mean, the learning curve of how it used to be versus now is mm-hmm. like is 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 totally different. So, okay, let's go to another question here. Let's go to our next uh, block of questions here. I guess I could have got that ready, right? I'm still learning how to be good on um, how to be good on this stuff. So professional. <laughs> okay, so next. One here, you go. Just stand, ask. Cool. All <laughs> right, so next question. Um, <laughs> this is actually pretty funny. Um, are are the exercises you dislike but still do because they're effective? I hate some exercises. I don't like, um, I don't like machine triceps, I don't like machine biceps, I don't like machine shoulders. I'm much more of a dumbbell and cable person, but I know it definitely has its place. You know, it definitely does. I, I know you probably have a lot of exercises you don't like to do as well. I It's kind of like one of those things that's like, you don't like to do it, but you got to do it. You know, I, I'm much more of a free weight and cable person than machine um, when it comes to upper body stuff. I was always told um, the exercises that you don't want to be doing are most likely the exercise you need to be doing the most. Mm-hmm. That's always kind of like, you know, the, the rule of thumb. You have a weak body part. Because in that area, because you don't like doing the exercises, therefore you need to do those exercises and you're just not doing those exercises because you don't like them. And it's why you have a weak body part there. And it's like, that's always kind of like the rule of thumb. And, um, yeah. And you see it, you'll, you'll see it a lot on, um, you'll see it a lot on guys at first, especially, and you'll see it on bikini competitors too. They want to train like the glute, the, the name, the major muscle groups, you know, the glutes, the shoulders, um, you know, and then you'll see like they'll their back and don't have like nothing to their back at all and they just like i just don't like training back my wrists get tired or whatever and you'll see the same thing with guys the guys will want to they'll want to do some heavy squats and they want to do some deadlifts but then they have no hamstrings and you're like well you probably got to do some lying hamstring curls bro <laughs> you know so it's like you know that's that and they just don't like doing it so that's like a, a, a pretty funny one so actually let's get a health update from you mm-hmm. how's your uh, eyeball? eyeballs <laughs> um they are all they're Still don't cooperate. <laughs> they still don't cooperate, but um, I don't think they're getting any worse. My doctor said they're gonna they're kind of staying put where they're at. So um, I can't drive unless I have special eyeglasses on, and uh, you know, even looking at a certain thing for more than a few se- seconds if it's farther away, I I go double. So I for those of you out there who don't know, I have strabismus, so it causes me to have double vision. And I think like a lot of times, you know, it's funny is in real life and online, people will think like, Ashley, are you okay? Or like, you look tired and like, cause I'm looking down a lot because for whatever reason, when I look down, I don't have double vision. But the minute I look up for the, the camera and it, if I look more than a few seconds, I get the double vision. So I look down a lot. So in the previous like podcast, when we we're in the other room, I was always like this, I was looking down because I don't have double vision when I look down, but it looks like I'm like sleeping or closing my eyes, right? Yeah. And then same thing like in person too, like if I'm at an event or whatever, or I'm just hanging out, I'll be looking down at the floor and then people be like, are you casually? Like, you, you know, you look really tired. You look like you're, you know, zoning out. And I'm like, no, no, it's just because just if I look up for too long, I get double vision. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that, you know. Other than that, I'm just happy to have two eyes. So yeah. I can't complain. The, the the funniest one is when, like, you're always looking down because your eyes for, like, a year, and then people were messaging me. They're like, she just seems, like, so, 
like unapproachable. No, no, no. I'm like, she's one. <laughs> you, you saw her like getting ready to go on stage, like yeah. walking to the back. So yeah, she's, that's probably the one time she's not going to like stop and take a whole bunch of time because she's trying to get to the backstage. Yeah. She's just in the zone. And she, she tells you she's looking down like because her <laughs> eyes don't work. Like she's yeah. very public about it. Like, like people like once in a while, I'm like, you just, just go see her at the booth next time. Yeah. I promise you it's going to be a different experience. Yeah. It's so funny that people you get that. You know? Yeah. I like this new setup though, because see, you're a lot closer to me than you were in the other podcast room. So if I look your way, I don't get double vision. But ah. if I look at this camera for too long, you probably even see it in my eyes. One of them, they start to cross over. So I see two cameras if I look for more than a few seconds. So, really? yeah. So I'm always looking down or I'm always moving my eyes so that I don't get that double vision. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe you burn extra calories with eyeball muscles. Perhaps. They're not getting any stronger, though. Maybe that's why you stay so lean. You're just moving. Yeah, it's this, this, <laughs> this tiny eye muscle. Um, it's burning a what lot if, of calories. What if we found out that all calories were burned from like just the eye movement <laughs> and everything else was a waste? And I just created a machine like a clock that you watched that went like oh. this and then just. <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> like instead of a treadmill. <laughs> all right, so the uh, this is a cool question from Live Fit Bell. Mm -hmm. um, what were your biggest challenges in the start of your career before it got so routine? I think for me, just like everyone else, I definitely dealt with cravings and I dealt with just consistency. You know, I, I know Adam hypes me up a lot and he always brags about how well I stick with my diet, but it didn't used to always be that way. I used to get really bad cravings, really bad. When I first, my first few preps, that was miserable. So I can definitely relate to the competitors out there that are saying I'm getting really bad cravings or I'm always hungry. I was too, believe me. And I was tired and I was lethargic. And, you know, at times when I was doing my first few preps and, um, you know, I was going low carb, I just, I felt like I, I was stupid brain fog. Like I just, nothing was like, I don't know. I just felt so foggy, but you know, throughout the years, like I always mentioned, I had to retrain my taste buds. Um, and, you know, once you kind of get in the routine of eating certain foods, I think after a long period of time, you stop to crave the, the bad stuff, right? So I think that that was like the biggest challenge for me. And I think that might surprise like a lot of people because, you know, you always talk about how I'm good with my diet and stuff, but it didn't always used to be that way. I really did struggle in the beginning. So I can definitely relate to the competitors out there that are having that issue. Yeah. And I think here too... Um, I think maybe just in case she might be also referring to um, like your career career, like the the like the career part of it, not the competing part of it too, maybe um, in terms of like, you know, getting with the were the biggest challenges of becoming like the sponsored athlete where you could do this for a living and, and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, I was not uh, doing well for myself, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I lived with my parents for a while. Right. But I. I was kind of on the poor side, I guess. And, you know, I think even like my, m when I was an amateur competitor and competing at some national shows, I roomed with like five girls in a hotel because I was like broke. I definitely did not have the money. So the whole struggle of affording shows and stuff was a thing, you know? And then luckily as I got more successful with the competitions and I turned pro and I was successful as a pro, I started getting noticed by other companies and other opportunities starting to pop up out of uh, nowhere. And I quit my bartending job. So I was bartending there for a while until I won the Olympia and then I quit. But, you know, bartenders wage in Ohio, it wasn't popping. 
you know, it just was not popping. <laughs> I like, you know, I would work maybe three times a week and sometimes four. And if I brought home a hundred dollars, that would be a good night for me. So I was not making the money I do now. That's for sure. Um, most of the time, you know, it was more like $50, you know? So like when I say if I brought home a hundred dollars, that would, that would be spectacular. But I always kind of assumed it would be like 50. So I was not very, uh, wealthy at all. Um, and I, you know, definitely it was a lot to afford the shows and tanning and everything. It's expensive. So tough so it's just less shows basically and more local shows and that type of thing yeah and I just really I don't know I really tried to save and and just spend my money on the competitions itself rather than other fun activities and and items I really everything like I made almost all that went to competing that's cool the dream yeah <laughs> but it's all worth it now yeah you know totally it paid off that's the same thing with with on my end of it too um people I get a lot of I'll get the same question a lot too uh, of I get, which is really cool, and it is an honor. I never want to discourage anyone from from um, wanting to do what I do, of course. But I get that question all the time, like, like they're like, I want to be the next you or the next, you know. I'm like, well, first, make sure you want that because you need to know what goes into it. But understand that it took, like, I always say it, it took 13 years for me to become an overnight sensation. And so, you know, it's the, you need a lot of, lot of dedication, a lot of commitment to the, to the job. And it, I really do think that if you're not passionate about it to the point where it kind of consumes you, and that's the part I struggle with, but if you're not, if you're not com- passionate about it to the point where it consumes you and you're thinking about it all day, all day long, like it's really hard to make it as that. So this really needs to be something about passion, not about business for you, if that's something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. For me, the, I actually have a harder time dealing with not being able to not think about it than anything. And that's where I get mentally like um, – tired you know I'll be like man it's just like I wish it would turn off sometimes but I also realize that's the only reason I'm so good at it so it's like a it's a double-edged sword but I love it I wouldn't have it any other way Mm -hmm. um but it's like it's it does take a lot and takes a lot of sacrifice and you have to be willing to give everything for it you know I've I was telling someone the other day that like the story of getting the prep center like I had to sell everything and then you know it's like you have to be willing to sacrifice to to accomplish those dreams whether it's like on the coaching side or on the athlete side She's sacrificing going out with her friends and having money to go to dinners and things like that. Um, you know, for, for on the coach's side, I was like, you know, putting pretty much every penny we made for years and years back into the infrastructure of it. And, and like, this was like the, really, this is like the first year we didn't have any, like last year was like the first year we didn't have any like real bills where I was like, I, we, everything's kind of done, you know, like we kind of, there's nothing else to like build. And so it was kind of cool to like reach that stage, but yeah, we're talking years and years in. So um, I would say just keep your eye on the prize, keep your foot on the gas, and make sure this is something you can do long-term, which means you need to be passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Because the, you, the people who aren't, they realize how hard it is, and they burn themselves out really quick. They, they don't, you see it, it's like a two-year thing, and it's like, it was only, it was always about, it was always a money grab for them. It was never like, oh, it was like, oh, I could probably make this much money if I did this. And I'm like, it's, if you're even talking about that, I already know where this is going to go, because it's too much, it's too hard. So, uh, like, it's just nonstop, you know, so... Anyway, so yeah, that would be, I guess those are the struggles on my end too. Mm-hmm. But I love it, man. Heck yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. And almost I would even go out to say, I, I actually, in hindsight, it's probably good that I never, I, I didn't like grow up rich or anything, but having to struggle, I guess, financially 
was the extra motivation to get to where I am today and to get in a place where I'm comfortable and I don't have to worry about making money. Because I think sometimes people that grew up kind of spoiled and always had money just kind of take it for granted. But for me, I'm just like super appreciative for every free thing I get, yeah. you know, free tanning. Oh, my gosh. Free this free protein bar. I'm like very appreciative. So yeah. there, there goes the the great the gratitude again. Right. So I think, you know, looking back on it, I wouldn't have it any other way. And even though it was a hard journey to get to the point to make this my career, it was uh, worth it. Yeah. Looking back on it. Yeah. It is kind of fun too. like, you know, I like I think about the times where it was like the hardest and when you're in it, it's sometimes it's like, it's overwhelming. But when, like, there was a couple of times where it was like so much, like when I was doing, I had still had to do my, my check-ins and my regular stuff. And that's always priority over anything in life. And so I'll do, you know, six, eight hours of check-ins. And then I was like, I ran out of money. So I was remodeling the prep center myself. I was tearing things down and like, I was doing construction. So I'd work till like four. And then I would, I would go from four to like eight or nine working on the building itself. Right. And it was like months like that. And I was like, man, this is never going to get done. This is never going to get done. I never, you know, like you, I just, I would, I would make, you know, whatever, 20 grand and give it to the construction guys. And that would get me another week of work. Right. Type of thing. And I was like, got nothing done with that. You know, it's like, so it's like, it's just so, it was so hard. But those times when I look back on, I was like, man, those really made me mentally be able to endure anything I face now. You totally. Know? Like if, if Ashley wants to do, a show on in Texas and then in Tahoe the next day, right? I'm like, whatever, it's nothing now. We're, you know, it's like, li you can find a way to still manage everything now because I did it then and that was like boot camp for, boot camp for the brain, <laughs> like making things or, you know, because usually if Ashley does her show, there's going to be someone else doing another show this next weekend and it's like nonstop and that's, and it adds up. But um, now it's like, it kind of trains you, all the hard stuff trains you. And then when I think back of like Tori, mm -hmm. who helped me get like, from like she was like my first like main assistant and how she kind of put me under pressure to do that um it really like I was like man I'm really happy she did because like the story of Tori was she was like do you ever need an assistant I was like yeah I think I could get one now and um and I didn't have that much work for her I was just like it would just help a little bit to have her help on like Thursdays and Fridays for you know six hours or so and then um she was working at a restaurant and that was like this is like eight years ago now and uh, I told her to tell her boss, I was like, yeah, just tell your boss that you just need to have uh, Thursdays and Fridays off until like four o'clock. And then after that, he can schedule you maybe even five or whatever on Thursday and fr Friday. And then she's like, just nonchalant. And she didn't tell me. She's like, oh, I already quit. And I was like, what do you mean you quit? <laughs> I was like, I don't have enough to give you. Like, I don't have enough. I, I was like, and I was like, Hold. I was like, think, I was like, man, this person like depends on me now, like for income like she quit her job that's crazy like it's a crazy responsibility you know and then I was like okay I need to make sure that she's having a good life now and I need to make sure I'm working harder to make sure she does and that initial like discomfort she put me through because I, like, I didn't tell her she put me through discomfort I just wasn't prepared for it it made me like find a way and then the next thing you know now now you know now she's crushing it of course but like it made me okay I need this person's responsible for me. she's a full adult it's not like she's living a real life she's got an apartment like I need to make sure she's having a good life, you know? And so it made me like, okay, how do we make this work? And I think that it's just a, it was a cool scenario of how the evolution kind of happened, but it kind of like started at that point of like growth. And then it was just craziness from there, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's cool how, you know, people can come into your life and then make you better, even when it wasn't really the intention of that, you know? 
Um, and Ashley, you've done that with me too. You know, you've definitely made me better. And so, um, it's, it's a, it's a cool thing. So I think that that's another part of it of like becoming successful is making sure the right people are in your corner. And, um, and I, I definitely am really lucky with the, the people that we have in our corner. Yeah. We get a crazy team. Like our group yeah, of coaches. You pick some good ones. Alan. Yeah. You've got a thing for picking the good ones. Cause I noticed that all of us here at uh, team like physique kind of are all on the same page with crazy? mindset and everything. I feel like we're way less flaky than most people. Yeah. I mean, you have to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like very reliable group. You got, we do. Very reliable. Yeah. And I think it just weeds itself out. If yeah. like you kind of, it's a, it's a tough place, you know, yeah. like it's a tough place. The standards are really high here. You know, I always tell everyone, I was like, you know, Tori and Sam kind of give everyone the, the, um, the intro, you know, I don't give them that yeah. intro, but they're like, Adam's really great. But, and I've heard this from a couple of people like later on, but if you ever seen like the TV show, like Hell's Kitchen, like how Gordon is very particular about certain steaks and like how they go out, he's like that. He just wants it to be perfect. But if you do it, no problem. You know, just don't burn the steak. Don't you know? burn the <laughs> steak. Yeah. And uh, you're going to be fine. You know, mm -hmm. they were like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I'm like, yeah, this, you guys are doing it right. It's, mm -hmm. it's great. There's nothing needs to be done, you know, so. I think you've got, you know, what I think it is, what kind of sets us apart is like we're we've all competed or are currently competing and yeah. we've had podcast episodes before where we've explained how being a competitor kind of breeds a certain personality right yeah. so that could definitely have something to do with it as well but yeah you pick some good ones yeah gotta say. yeah uh, we'll see we'll see uh what the what the future brings what i'm really happy with uh how it is if it stayed exactly like this forever i'd be the happy I, i'm i'm beyond at my level of what i expect of what we would accomplish as a group we're already there you mm -hmm. know we're already Absolutely. there there's a couple cool things that we could do you know it'd be it'd be awesome if you know we we could i mean it's always there's always more right there's just there's always more but i'm very happy with how everything is so me too yeah. me too and then look at our new studio too our podcast studio is popping oh goodness got arthur over here kicking butt heck yeah i think we got time for one more question okay. and then then we'll be up and then we'll have to do part two because we got to get to Adam's questions as yeah, well. Yeah, this actually went really smooth. Yeah, I mean, you've got a whole bunch of questions. I had a whole bunch of questions. So if you don't hear your question being answered during this episode, stay tuned for the next one because we looked at these questions and we're kind of like, oh, this is definitely like a, a multi-part <laughs> uh, thing. And I think it's kind of cool to do these because we have not done a Q&A in a while and I think they're a lot of fun and a lot of people enjoy them a lot. So we'll have to do some more of these in the future. And I think especially since we got this live stream set up, probably more frequently do these Q&As and then mix in some usual topics as well. But yeah. 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 And then you want to do, I think we should go to the YouTube yes. before, since we have a lot of people mm -hmm. asking questions yeah. there. Go we ahead. appreciate you guys on YouTube mm -hmm. um, asking questions. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to screenshot these. And I know I'm going through between two different channels here and I apologize for that, but I'm going to screenshot some of these. And I do this thing when I do my cardio in the morning called cardio with Adam, where I just like go into one question for like 30 minutes Really, it's more for me <laughs> to keep me accountable to do the cardio because <laughs> I'll be like, I'm doing it tomorrow. And I'm like, OK, I got to do it no matter what comes up. I'm going to do my cardio. But also, like, it makes it easy for me to get through the cardio mm -hmm. in like 30 minutes. Obviously, my cardio is not super intense. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to talk that well, which is a problem in itself. But <laughs> the question we have here is um, it just says from W, I'm main I'm maintaining on 10K steps a day starting. Sorry, I'm looking at Arthur's phone. It's got a screen protector on it. Yep. All right, privacy protect. All right, I'm maintaining on 10K steps a day and starting a cut in a week. Should I start my cut with formal cardio, question, or wait till I plateau? Um, also, how much cardio is too little to start with? So that's a really cool 
multi-question question. Um, I guess that's a new question, yeah? Is there yeah. any question? For I will part? say just uh, briefly, before Adam really gets into it, I wouldn't say there is a certain uh, point to start cardio. Some people start, man, you, you've had some runners, right, for example, that maybe they ran their entire life and they're training for marathons. Yeah. So their starting point of cardio is going to be much higher than, like, let's say somebody that just does, like, yoga (laughs) or hasn't even trained at all or did cardio in years right so everyone's gonna be different there is no minimum cardio to start with it's all going to be dependent on your current uh conditioning and what you're used to doing yeah and i think that's a perfect way to start the answer to that question is your settings and that's essentially what the question is is like what are my the, the the real question you're asking is are my settings already high and will me doing more cardio make a significant difference or is it basically just calories at this point it is kind of like a is, a, is a different way of asking that same question. So 10 K 10 K steps is a high calorie step is a high step count. That's a pretty high step count. I generally won't have anyone at 10 K steps until they're in their like final stages of prep. That's a, that's a final stage of prep step count, but there are the scenarios where where that's just your lifestyle. I have a I have a guy named Steve that I've been working with for a few years, and we're like so close to a pro card. Uh, we got second place at, at at nationals last year, and it's like at at, at it was a Masters USA's actually, and uh, we were one away, and we were third the time before that, and it's like it's so close. The problem we have with him is that his lifestyle is so active. He's in the military, and it's like his his weekly steps could be like one hundred and thirty thousand. It's like crazy step count, but it's, that's his job, right? And so you have nurses that are like that too. You have, um, so certain people, when they have these high step counts, they, the only answer to that as they get deeper in prep is to do more cardio because you got to remember what you probably, you heard me earlier talking about percentages and like 10% more prep, 10% less calories and 10% more cardio and whatnot, right? Well, if I have, you know, for example, I have like Brooke and Louisa doing like no cardio into their preps and they're pro bikini competitors. They have like none, no, no cardio. It's crazy. And it's not the norm, you know, it's really, it's pretty impossible to do that for most people. But for them, if I give them 15 minutes of cardio from nothing, that's a huge stimulus, right? It's, it's huge stimulus. Now, for Steve, as I just talked about, him doing 130,000, let's say 140,000, make it simple, um, steps, that's 20,000 steps a day. What's, what's 10%, 15% for Steve? Well, he's already doing 20,000 steps, so 10% for him is 2,000 extra steps, which is crazy. That's that's a lot of cardio for 2,000 extra steps, right? So that's that's what you kind of have to look at. And so to answer your question of like how much cardio is, is too little to start with, well, I've had people do zero cardio with uh, the examples Louisa and Brooke would do zero all the way until like four weeks out from a show and they might do, you know, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Like it's it's not much. So that would be like the minimum. And that's obviously someone whose metabolism is on fire they check in all year. I mean, you could look at their check-ins every week for like, you know, over a year. Like it's just not, they don't mess up. And so, yeah, they've had good off seasons and, and we've been able to work their cardio to none. Um, and then they have fast metabolisms already. So there's that. So then that's the minimum cardio. But typically what I try to do in the off season is to get someone's step count down a little bit. I try to get them to doing about 15 minutes of cardio three to four times a week, just steady state, you know, just like healthy cardio. And then, um, and then that be their starting point of when they start their cardio, then I can just start kind of going from there. And then I'll taper up as prep goes on 
based on the check-ins and the demands of what their body is needing. You know, I have, you know, if I have someone who messes up in their prep, like worst case scenario, someone messes up in their um, off season and then they have a high step count on top of that. And it's like, oh, this is going to be <laughs> brutal, you know? And so, um, you know, it's, that stuff happens too. I'm not, a, I'm not above those things happening, but uh, okay. So when you ask the question is, should you start your prep with formal cardio? If you're already doing 10,000 steps a day, just know if you're going to do like start right away with formal cardio and do that for 16 weeks and you're progressing at each time, just you have to ask yourself, okay, does my lifestyle allow me in 16 weeks to get to 20,000 steps? And if the answer is yes, and you don't mind doing it, then maybe, maybe the answer would be yes, yeah, start it right away. If the answer is I'm already kind of taxed, I got a family, I got work, I got a girlfriend, and she's already complaining about me prepping, whatever, um, then maybe try to just do it based off diet first. You might be less total calories. Actually, you will be less total calories if you did that. It's just the way it is. Um, but for me, I'd rather eat less than do more work. Like it's just, for me, it just makes sense. I'd rather eat less than do another hour of cardio because I can do it. I can do an hour so much with an hour of my day, you know, with like in, in the office, I can do so much with an hour. I'd rather, I'd rather eat 250 calories less than burn 250 calories that hour, whatever. Right. So I guess in a roundabout way, hopefully that answers the, the question, but I would, I would try to minimize how much cardio that person does. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Those are some good questions, and like I said, we're going to have to do a part two, um, so hopefully, uh, if not this time, next time you can ask a question, it gets answered, but wow, this was a really, really good set of questions. It was hard to choose which ones. I had fun with this. This is like yeah. our first like official podcast with all the camera setup angles and all this stuff, and it's like, yeah, I feel like it went pretty smooth. Heck yeah, so we really appreciate you guys watching and listening, and uh, for those of you who are tuning in on the Instagram or the YouTube, we do have other episodes available under any podcast platform, basically, Bikini in the Brain, so lots of helpful information out there for all you guys trying to keep you entertained while you're on that step mill during cardio, <laughs> I get that a lot. Yeah. You know, I listen to you during cardio. Yeah, that's or the, my drive. The funnest part is when um I'll be like like this weekend we had this big seminar with Sandy was in town and everyone in the jam was in town. And um I was in the coffee line and it was like a long coffee line, of course, because everyone's, you know, compet why do competitors yeah. drink so much coffee? Because we crave <laughs> energy, that's it's why. Like, it's like a go to for competitors. We oh, just like sure. hook up an IV for these guys. But um I was just I was there was I was behind some girl and then I started talking to her and it was um she she listened to the podcast and she's like, Oh yeah, I listen and I started talking and then like there was another girl, like two people up. She's like She's like, I've never met you, but I heard your voice, and I recognize your voice in line because I always listen to the Oh, podcast. I've done that, too. I've been talking <laughs> with my friend down a hallway in the hotel, and somebody peeked outside the hallway because they recognized me really? my, by my voice. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so, yeah, that is kind of cool. It's kind of like, fun oh, when that okay. happens. You're like, yeah. it, it makes it worth it for sure. You're like, oh, yeah, everything makes it, makes it kind of worth it. Mm -hmm, so totally. um, anyway, uh, with that being said, that'll be it. Thank you guys so much. Join us next week for podcast number two. If you're on YouTube or Instagram, it'll be around 1130, I imagine, right around that time, just to set up. And sometimes it's different. Hopefully it's faster. Yeah, hopefully it's, a, hopefully it's 11. And that's <laughs> Pacific Standard Timing, Pacific, by the way. Yeah, so keep those questions coming in. We'll always try to get to them. Thank you guys so much Thank you. for watching, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.